I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to On Point, filling in for Alex Pearson. Well, a couple of times a week, it's nice to check in with Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, keeping us up to date on all things happening in Ottawa. Tom, thanks so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Angela. Well, you've got a few things to uncover for us. But first of all, I want to just talk about the announcement today. The federal government has called for an inquiry, no surprise, into the invocation of the Emergencies Act. I say no surprise because wasn't this the deadline? They had to make sure they had called for an inquiry after bringing in the act? It's a, it was a legal requirement. It was no concession. If they didn't do it, by midnight they'd be in breach of an act of parliament. So that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. When people are saying, oh, there's an inquiry. okay, well, and it actually had to happen. So they did it right under the deadline. What is expected to come out of this inquiry? What will happen? No monkey business, Angela. There's an expectation, and this has been the subject of petitions by 15 civil liberties groups, including groups that were no great friends of the truckers and the Freedom Convoy. That this be a public, above board, and full disclosure of uh, documentation, Cabinet said today, they will not withhold um, uh, Cabinet secrets from this judge. Whether they come out in public session or not is another question. But having said that, no monkey business, because there's a, a strong intimation that Cabinet fabricated, or let's just be candid, made up justification to invoke the Emergencies Act on those truck drivers. Let's remind people, I mean, I I can't believe people have to be reminded of this, but what was happening back in January for a, a few weeks, the citizens of Ottawa were having to put up with the protesters, and then it almost seemed like at the last minute we finally heard about the Emergencies Act, and it, it happened so quickly as opposed to what a lot of residents were hoping would have happened weeks before that. They had um, invoked the act on Valentine's Day, suspended it on February 23rd. So you're right, there was a very short period of time, and then it led to some 280 arrests, and there were bank accounts frozen to the equivalent of about $8 million. But there were very wide and far-reaching ramifications from that. And there have been groups such as the Civil Liberties Association of Canada and others who have pointed it out. The What Cabinet did was it declared an illegal assembly. Shoot first, ask questions later, metaphorically speaking. They gave police the power for the first time ever to decide whether an assembly was illegal or not. That's a lot of authority for constable on patrol. They also said that the police could have bank accounts frozen without a court order or without notice to the account holder. In the case of the credit unions, the National Association testified in committee. They said it was blood curdling. They had millions withdrawn by panicky depositors who didn't know that that was a cabinet authority, that you could do that in this country, that the government of Canada could freeze an account of someone that they didn't like, in this case, political protesters, very far reaching. This judge has a job to do, liberal appointed judge, we can say. That does not predict the outcome, but uh, everyone's on the spot on this because it it was a bad look, Angela. It was 
it was not a great day for civil liberties in Canada. Well, and I think a lot of people were saying, even prior to this step being taken, that there was a question of what level of police could do anything. We, I think, Tom, you and I have talked about this before. There was a lot of finger pointing. And maybe we didn't even have to get to this point of the Emergencies Act being invoked. So uh, I, I'm wondering if that will come out as well, or they will just specifically look at the steps prior to the act being invoked. It must come out. Everything must come out. And do you know why? Because there are groups out there, trade unions, the First Nations, Assembly of First Nations testified. They see this applying to them in some future government, in some future day. Now that that has been normalized, it is their greatest fear that long after we're gone, there will always be governments who want to handily solve a political problem, not a law enforcement problem. Constitutional scholars have argued this, and these are liberal constitutional scholars. This was a political decision. And once you normalize that, you're really going down the rabbit hole now. This inquiry has has to be the full deal, Angela. It can't be shortcutting, and it can't be coming back and telling Cabinet, boy, you guys did a great job. Tom Korski, he's the managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. You can check out the website, Black Locks Reporter, which I do as often as possible. Saw the one story. you got to get into the details on this. CBC, a CBC pundit, paid a lot of money to say that Governor General Mary Simon was a good choice. Uh, tell me that story. Yeah, there's apparently they have a code. <laughs> they, they actually required a code of ethics at the CBC. And the code says that I have to disclose any financial interests or other conflicts as even as a commentator, as a pundit on one of these panel shows um, in uh, commenting on relevant issues. Now, the fact that you would have to write that down, that's jarring in itself. Angela, if I took $96,000 from XYZ Trucking and I go on Angela's show and say, you know, Angela, XYZ Trucking is not like those other trucking companies. And I know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, that's not a good look yes. in this case. Mm-hmm. A, a CBC pundit with lavish praise of Governor General Simon is disclosed to have accepted a $96,000 sole sourced contract as an advisor to Governor General Simon. Ain't life grand. Ooh. Okay. Uh, As I said, make sure you check out the website to read more about that. Uh, But I also want to get into this because there we knew during the early days of COVID that it was important that the federal government stepped in with the different programs when people were out of work, when businesses were going through some extremely difficult times. But Blacklock's reporter has done a bit of digging uh, to look at the COVID-era borrowing that really had nothing to do with COVID. Tell me about that. Interesting. The uh, the parliamentary budget officer, Yves Giroux, has been uh, really consistent on this, and he is uh, uh, ignored by cabinet as much as he has listened to. But he is a former uh, Canada Revenue Agency data officer. He's a very serious, earnest man. And Budget Officer Giroux, in a report, says, uh, you remember that half trillion dollars that was borrowed and spent in the COVID era? Uh, One third of it had nothing to do with COVID. That's bad because the implication is it didn't have to be spent, that this was not money. This is hundreds of 
billions of dollars that had nothing to do with uh, helping people avert eviction or foreclosure or human suffering. This was just spending. Why does that matter? You know, you went, even when you look at the Department of Finance tables, Angela, they will calculate that Parliament will go minimum 20 years without balancing a budget. And if you're of a certain generation, mm-hmm. you remember what happened the last time they did that? And it was, it was awful, Angela. Yeah. It was really, really bad. So when you uncover these kind of stories, and we know, we heard from the opposition, they were concerned about watching the the dimes, the dollars, the billions, because a lot of times governments can use situations like this to their own benefit. Where do we go from here, though, when you've got the Parliamentary Budget Office reporting something like this? It's interesting. They're, they're, to this day... And people will say, well, the pandemic is still not over, but it has been over two years, hasn't it? Uh, To this day, there's been no really exhaustive accounting of who got what and why. And more importantly, I think there's a valid question. We see just today, a federal court ruling involved a company that had never filed a tax return, was a quickie startup, and received almost half a million dollars in rent subsidies just by asking for it. And it was the bank, it was this company's private bank, the fraud squad, that notified the CRA and said, you've, you've made payments here that, that are so suspicious. Why were there no cursory background checks? Why was there so little oversight at the time, even as billions went out the door? It's odd that you could spend that volume of money with less scrutiny than the town council gives to the snowplow contract. But that's exactly what happened, Angela. And and you talk about far-reaching. There'll be questions about this for years to come. Well, we started our conversation about the inquiry into the Emergencies Act. We, We have to hope that down the road we have a very extensive inquiry into the decisions and the spending and who got what during COVID as well, don't we? Absolutely. That's been raised by parliamentarians. I don't even know why that would be partisan. Who who would oppose that? Who wouldn't want to know? Tom, thank you as always. My pleasure, Angela. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Blacklock's Reporter. I'm Angela Kokot. You're listening to On Point.